Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's time for Sorallo Sports Talk with Joe Sorallo. All right, here we go. It's time for Sorallo Sports Talk with me, Joe Sorallo, taking you through the hour right here, through the Believe Hour on Sports Map Radio. That's Believe, B-L-E-A-V. Check us out at Believe.com. It's the number one content network for professionals. We've got podcasts and shows for almost every team, every sport, every topic. I mean, if you love the New York Mets, we've got a great podcast on the Mets, Believe in Queens. If you love drunk knitting, we've got a show for that too. So check us out at Believe.com. That's Believe, B-L-E-A-V. This is one of the wildest, wackiest Thursdays in sports that we've seen in a long time, folks. You know, they say that the end of June and the month of July is dead season in sports talk radio Today is the exact opposite. I can't wait to spend this hour with you. We've got so much to get to. Obviously, NBA free agency just tipped off an hour ago. We're going to dive into that. Not the biggest names on the free agent market this offseason, but there's a few. You've got James Harden opting out in Philly. Now, a lot of people think he's going to restructure his deal and stay in Philly, of course. Kyrie Irving just opted in with the Brooklyn Nets, but... The biggest news of the day, and that says a lot. There's been a ton of news today. Kevin Durant going to the Nets owner, Joseph Tsai, demanding a trade out of Brooklyn. How about that if you're Kyrie Irving? You announced that you're opting in just yesterday, and now Kevin Durant today, the day of free agency, says, hey, I want a trade. I want out of here. We're going to be all over KD leaving the Nets. Who's the bigger embarrassment, the New York Knicks or the Brooklyn Nets? Vote on the poll I just threw up at Instagram, at Joe Serralo. Find me on there. Find me on Twitter, at the Joe Serralo. Engage with me. If you go on my Twitter, you'll find my instant reaction video to today's news that USC and UCLA are leaving the Pac-12, joining the Big Ten for 2024. I'll tell you on that video on my socials and later on on this show, why I absolutely hate that move for USC, for UCLA, and for college football as a whole. We're going to always touch on some baseball, a little Freddie Freeman drama. Stick with me through the hour. Joe Serralo right here, right now on Serralo Sports Talk as part of the Believe Hour on Sports Map Radio. Here we go. It's time for Serralo Sports Talk with me, Joe Serralo. Going to take you through the hour as promised right here on Sports Map Radio on this Thursday evening, just an hour ago, NBA free agency officially opened up at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. But my oh my, the biggest news of the day, bar none, and there's been a lot of big crazy news today. It is Kevin Durant, the superstar who signed that mega contract with Brooklyn, assembled his super team with Kyrie Irving, and then James Harden joined along. The Kevin Durant era in Brooklyn is over. He's asked for a trade earlier today. He wants out, and this comes a day after Kyrie Irving opted into his contract to remain with Brooklyn. I mean, there is so much to unpack here. First off, that Kevin Durant-Kyrie Irving relationship is clearly 
not as tight, not as special as they led so many of us to believe. And you have to wonder if Kevin Durant wants, after what Kyrie did this year, not getting vaccinated and missing so many games, ultimately Brooklyn ended up with the seven seed as a result of that. You have to wonder if Kevin Durant wants out because Kyrie Irving opted in. I mean, the chemistry just doesn't seem to be there. Obviously, is that one of the best teams in the league when those two guys were on the court? Yes, you saw that the way that they performed. They were outside of the playoffs looking in late in the season when Durant was hurt and when Kyrie was out missing games. When those two came back and got into the full swing of things, they were nearly unstoppable. But as great as they looked in that little 7-10 to 10 seed, you know, pre-playoff tournament, once the playoffs started... They didn't look so hot anymore. Only got a seven seed on the season. Got swept, bounced out. See you later by the Boston Celtics in the opening round of the playoffs. I mean, Kevin Durant's tenure with the Brooklyn Nets, there's no way to sugarcoat it. It's a colossal disappointment. You look at the last two years and look, obviously they played a great series against Milwaukee, but nonetheless, they blew a 3-2 lead to the Milwaukee Bucks in the second round of the Eastern Conference playoffs a year ago. And then this year, that quick, and I know it was a weird year, right? I know Durant got hurt. I know Kyrie obviously didn't play most of the season. And so that's, you can attribute that as to why the Nets ended up with the seven seed. But still, I don't care. Seven seed, one seed, a quick first round exit, getting swept at the hands of Boston. I mean, the Durant-Kyrie experiment in Brooklyn was just a colossal disappointment. And that really makes you ask the question, Because as I was prepping for this show right now, last night, I was ready to destroy my New York Knicks, who have made it perfectly clear that their biggest goal in free agency this year was and has always been to sign Jalen Brunson, right? They've traded players, they've moved around cap space, they got rid of Nerlens Noel and Kemba Walker and uh, Alec Burks, all for Jalen Brunson, right? They're clearing up cap space like LeBron James is a free agent who's interested in coming to New York. And they're giving Jalen Brunson the red carpet treatment. It's ridiculous. It's an embarrassment. But the way things have unfolded in Brooklyn, the question that I have to ask is who's the bigger embarrassment? Because I'd argue, and this is not me being a Knicks fan here, you know, you can call me biased when it comes to my Mets, my Giants, whatever. But I am a Knicks fan. I've got no bias for the Knicks. I've got very little love for the Knicks because they've done nothing to endear themselves to their fan base in my lifetime. So, as a completely objective, unbiased Knicks fan, I think the Knicks are less embarrassing than the Brooklyn Nets because the Knicks, at the end of the day, look, they have the assets, they have the capability of putting a super team together, and they don't. And that's frustrating as hell. But the Brooklyn Nets actually did it. The Brooklyn Nets got the best offensive player on the planet in Kevin Durant. They got the best offensive point guard, maybe the best point guard period at the time of the signing on the planet in Kyrie Irving, and they accomplished a whole lot of nothing at the end of the day. I'm sorry. I'm never going to defend my New York Knicks. The Brooklyn Nets are clearly a more embarrassing franchise than the New York Knicks. I mean, James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, all first-team All-Pro guys at their peak, all future Hall of Famers, all won nothing with the Brooklyn Nets. And by the way, you know, I would argue that Kyrie Irving... Opting in had something to do with Kevin Durant wanting out because I think that that romance has completely fizzled. But I think Golden State winning a title a week ago, or I guess two weeks ago, 
I think that that has affected Kevin Durant in a much deeper way than he would ever let on or than some of you might believe. If you don't think that Kevin Durant watched Golden State hoist up the Larry O'Brien trophy and a little piece of him was boiling on the inside. I mean, look, if Boston wins the NBA Finals, at least Durant and the Nets can say, well, we lost to the eventual champion, right? Golden State won it. They won it without Durant. Steph Curry was the Finals MVP. And I don't think Kevin Durant dislikes Steph Curry. I'm not trying to cause drama or make false accusations where they aren't. But I know he doesn't want him to win a ring without him. I know that Kevin Durant doesn't want this Golden State team to go on and have more success in the post-Warriors Durant era than he himself is having. And that's exactly what's going on right here. Kevin Durant is opting out of the Brooklyn Nets because he wants to put himself in the best position to win a ring. And that's why the two teams that Kevin Durant has mentioned he wants to go play for are the Phoenix Suns and the Miami Heat. Both won seeds this year in their respective conferences. Now, look, do I think the Miami Heat are the best team in the Eastern Conference? No, I don't. No, I don't. I love Jimmy Butler. I don't know how Jimmy Butler and Kevin Durant would coexist. That, to me, would be a tough one. I think that Durant, you know, if Miami got a better point guard than Kyle Lowry at this stage in his career, I think then you can talk about that with Durant having Hero off the bench, Adebayo down low. But then again, Hero and Adebayo might very well be assets that Miami would have to ship off to Brooklyn in order to make that trade happen. So you don't know what Durant would be dealing with in Miami. And I don't personally think that KD and Jimmy B would be the best fit down there. Now the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns. If Kevin Durant went to Phoenix, well, put the bet in right now. I don't care if it's plus 350, plus 450. You're not going to get great odds. Put the bet in right now. Phoenix wins a title next year if Kevin Durant goes to Phoenix. And I'm not a Kevin Durant stan. I don't sit over here and praise Durant. I don't consider Durant the best player in the NBA. Notice when I talked about him, I said best offensive player in the NBA because I think Giannis Antetokounmpo, the multiple-time MVP, multiple-time defensive player of the year, he is the best player in the NBA, but my oh my, Kevin Durant goes to Phoenix. If he goes to a team that two years ago was in the NBA Finals and was up 2-0 in the NBA Finals before dropping four straight to Milwaukee, and this year had far and away the best record in the NBA was, let's call it what it is, right? The Golden State Warriors were the champs this year and deservedly so, but for the entirety of the season, for the majority of the season, the Phoenix Suns were the clear-cut best team in the NBA. I don't know what happened in that Dallas series, how they blew that 3-2 lead, what kind of internal collapse went on with Phoenix, but they were the best team in the NBA this season. And if you add Kevin Durant to Chris Paul and Devin Booker, the Phoenix Suns are winning an NBA championship because Phoenix isn't giving up Paul and Booker, right? They would not, obviously those guys are untouchable. Kevin Durant and Chris Paul, Chris Paul would be the best point guard for Kevin Durant's needs that he's ever played with, right? And now I'm not saying Paul's better than Steph Curry. I'm not saying he is more skilled than Kyrie Irving, but Kevin Durant needs to be the alpha wherever he goes. He needs to be the number one guy. And Kyrie Irving himself always wants to be the number one guy. Steph Curry is the number one guy in Golden State. So Chris Paul being that true old school point guard that I always praise him for being, that's a marriage, a match made in heaven for Kevin Durant. Chris Paul is perfectly fine taking eight shots a game and getting 13 assists. And I'll tell you what, that's exactly what he would do with KD out in Phoenix. Question there is Devin Booker. 
will Devin Booker be okay being the number two option? Because look, I love Devin Booker and he's one of the brightest young stars in the game. Devin Booker can't shine Kevin Durant's shoes. Devin Booker is not taking the shot with the game on the line if Kevin Durant is a Phoenix Sun. So if Devin Booker is okay with Kevin Durant going to Phoenix and being the number one option, then my oh my, that is the deadliest team. That is the best team in the NBA. Sorry, Golden State. Enjoy these past two weeks. If Kevin Durant winds up in Phoenix, Golden State Warriors aren't winning a title in the next four years. I'll tell you that much. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant. Forget Aiton. He's out of the equation. He'd probably be shipped off to Brooklyn. But those three, that would be far and away the best big three in basketball. Maybe the best big three we've seen since LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. When we come back, we've got some college football news in June. We don't say that too often, but USC and UCLA are going to the Big Ten, and I couldn't hate it anymore. Stick with me, Joe Sorallo. You're locked into Sorallo Sports Talk right here on SportsMap Radio. Back here on Sorallo Sports Talk with me, Joe Sorallo. You're locked into the Believe Hour right here on SportsMap Radio, all over the wild events that have transpired today regarding NBA free agency and more so than even free agency, which of course opened up just about, I don't know, 75, 80 minutes ago. More than that, Kevin Durant stealing the headlines, demanding a trade out of Brooklyn was all over it in segment one. There'll be more on Kevin Durant to come, but we've got a segue, and this is something that normally at the end of June, I would never envision myself saying, We've got a segue to college football because the landscape of college football is changing entirely. If it hasn't changed already, of course, you know, a couple months ago when Texas and Oklahoma announced that they were leaving the Big 12, which they had been members of for years, I mean, decades upon decades, right, for the SEC. Now, USC and UCLA are leaving the Pac-12 for the Big 10. And I got to say, it didn't sit right with me when Texas and Oklahoma left the Big 12 for the SEC, being that they had been members of that conference. I mean, going back to when it was, what, the Southwestern Athletic Conference, and then it became, I believe, the Big 8 and the Big 10, or, and then ultimately the Big 12, never the, the Big 10, excuse me on that one. But it didn't sit right with me to see those two schools leaving and abandoning you know, the Texas Tech rivalry, the Oklahoma State rivalry, Baylor, I mean... The Big 12 is good football. It's not on the SEC level, ultimately, and obviously, that's why Texas and Oklahoma left. But it didn't sit right with me. Them leaving, this is 25 times worse. This makes 100 times less sense. I mean, you've got two schools in Los Angeles, California, my new home. I love LA, nothing against LA, but schools in Los Angeles should never be in the same conference as schools in New Jersey. Maryland, and Pennsylvania. I mean, this is absolutely ludicrous. Look, I mean, does geography not matter at all anymore in college sports? Now, I'm not trying to sound like your 10th grade geography teacher here, but with geography comes natural rivalries, right? New York pizza is better than New Jersey pizza. It's just a fact. Why do we compare ourselves? And yes, I say we because even though I live in LA now, I'm I'm a born New Yorker. Why do we compare ourselves to New Jersey pizza and not Chicago pizza? Because New York and New Jersey are next door to each other, right? And everyone knows deep dish pizza sucks. That's also why. But it's like with geography comes rivalries. USC and UCLA don't have a rivalry because they're on the same wavelength athletically, right? In football, UCLA for decades has not been able to shine USC's shoes. Basketball is a different story. But football-wise, they don't have a rivalry 
because of the level of competition. They have a rivalry because they're the two huge schools in Los Angeles. So now you're adding them to a conference that has Rutgers in New Jersey, the University of Maryland, Penn State, I mean Wisconsin, Iowa. It's like it just makes no sense for USC and UCLA to be a part of the Big Ten. But that's the direction that college sports, hate it or love it, I happen to hate it, that's the direction that college sports are moving towards, right? Geography doesn't matter. Natural rivalries don't matter anymore. Right now, all that matters is money, is TV contracts, and you're seeing the SEC and the Big Ten become super conferences right in front of your eyes. Now, they might not be there yet. They'll both have 16 teams when the Texas, Oklahoma, USC, UCLA deals are done. They're heading towards 20 plus, right? Clemson is still out there in the ACC. The ACC has gone to garbage, right? And I know it's ironic I'm saying that because Clemson wasn't actually uh, even in the ACC title game last year in football. It was Pittsburgh and Wake Forest, but Clemson will be leaving the ACC sooner rather than later. Uh, Oregon is now out in the Pac-12. You know, I mean, obviously Utah this year won the conference, but Oregon, over the better part of the past decade, 15 years, they've been one of the premier teams in the Pac-12 consistently. I don't see them staying there much longer, right? And there's already reports, speaking of Utah, that the Big 12 which will sooner rather than later be down to eight teams, that the Big 12 is going after four Pac-12 teams, Utah, Colorado, Arizona, and Arizona State. That's the latest rumor that the Big 12 is targeting those four. So if that's the case, I mean, the Pac-12 would be down to six teams. The conference, which, and this is really sad to see. I absolutely hate to see this. This has been one of the biggest conferences in college football history. It's been around over 100 years. The conference is going to evaporate. The Pac-12 can't survive on the two Oregon schools, the two Washington schools, and Stanford and Cal. This super conference, you know, money, TV deal, greed ultimately, in college sports is going to result in the Big Ten and the SEC making conferences like the Pac-12. Maybe, you know, one day the ACC, maybe the Big 12. We already saw it in football with the Big East. These other conferences are, that have so much rich history are just evaporating into thin air. And it really stinks. I mean, Texas and Oklahoma, you could, you could see, right? You could reason it, even though I didn't like it. It makes sense. Texas A&M had already made the move. Uh, Missouri had already made the move with A&M to the SEC a couple of years back. That one is more understandable than USC playing a conference game. I don't know if it would be every year, every other year, every third year with Rutgers. I mean, it just, that makes no sense. And by the way, from a competition standpoint and I know right now everyone's so high on USC because Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma for the Trojans and took Caleb Williams the quarterback with him and they've got the stud wide receiver out of Pittsburgh last year who won the Balintikoff award Addison I know everyone's high on USC the USC Trojans are going to get punched in the mouth by playing in the Big Ten I mean look at how they've fared against the Big Ten in recent memory I know historically you know it was The Rose Bowl was practically the USC Invitational, right? If they weren't in the national championship, they were in the Rose Bowl for a long stretch of years, whether they were going up against Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, Ohio State. Look at recent history. USC's last couple bowl games, the Holiday Bowl, 2019 against the University of Iowa. You want to talk about getting punched in the mouth? That game, by the way, was in San Diego. 
So USC had a home game essentially against the University of Iowa and Iowa we all know is one of the most lackluster offensive teams in the country. They win, you know, they go 9 and 3 every year in the regular season by a score of 13 to 10 on average it seems like. Iowa beat them 49 to 24, right? The bowl game before that, USC went to the Cotton Bowl, had a pretty good year, went up against Ohio State, lost 24-7. I mean, USC, this is not your father's Trojans, right? You know, two teams that made big waves with conference realignment, USC and Texas, these are not your father's Longhorns, these are not your father's Trojans. Texas has been irrelevant for the better part of the last 15 years, right? I think they've got one or two good years in there, BCS Bowl or uh, a New Year's Six Bowl, which they call it now, under Sam Ellinger. Outside of that, Texas has frankly stunk for the better part of the last decade. USC, who like Texas from 2000 to 2010, was one of the best programs in the nation. USC has stunk for the better part of the past decade. So they're going to the Big Ten. And I've got news for all you LA pretty boys. And yes, I say that acknowledging that, you know, right now I'm probably one of those LA pretty boys after the last three months living out here. I've got news for you. 15 degree temperatures in Wisconsin in November is no joke. And guess what's going to happen to USC when they have to go to Madison, Wisconsin in November, when they have to go to Happy Valley in Pennsylvania in November, when they have to go to the big house or when they have to go to Columbus, USC is going to get stomped out in those games against Big Ten competition in November. Iowa, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, they are going to embarrass the Trojans. USC is leaving a conference, the so-called Conference of Champions. What a joke, because the Pac-12 has stunk in football compared to the Big Ten, the SEC, the past few years. They're leaving the Conference of Champions, where if they were any good, they'd be winning 10-11 games every year, right? Let's call it what it is. USC going 8-4 and four in the Pac-12 is not a good look. Well, they'll be lucky to go 8-4 and four in the Big Ten with this new move. Honestly, eight wins and like a third place finish in their division, which I assume has to be the Big Ten West, although I don't put anything past college athletics anymore. Eight and four and a third place finish in the conference will be successful for USC. Although maybe because they're in the West where they'll probably be playing Illinois and Northwestern instead of, you know, maybe every year going up against Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, maybe that cuts them a break. But still, it's going to be much harder for Lincoln Riley's Trojans to win 10 games in the Big Ten than it was in the Pac-12. It's going to be much harder for them to make the Rose Bowl or to make any New Year's Six Bowl in the Big Ten than it was, than it has been in the Pac-12. And by the way, you know, I mentioned the Rose Bowl, and maybe this is coming from a place of nostalgia, but this is another reason why I hate this move, why it bothers me so much more than Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC. The Rose Bowl historically has been one of the few bowl games that has stuck to its guns on who gets invited. The Rose Bowl was always the winner of the Big Ten versus the winner of the Pac-12. And it stayed through that. You know, it used to be that, obviously, in the 1900s, when the NCAA shifted to the BCS system, the Rose Bowl was still, unless one of them was in the championship game or unless it was the year that the Rose Bowl itself was the championship game, the Rose Bowl was still winner of the Big Ten, winner of then the Pac-10. And even through the New Year's Six alignment, where the Sugar Bowl has been in flux, where the Cotton Bowl has been in flux, right? Where it's no guarantee every year the Cotton Bowl gets a Big 12 team or the Sugar Bowl, which used to be ACC versus SEC, you know, that's gotten at-large teams involved, right? Same with the Fiesta Bowl. 
the Rose Bowl, unless it was a playoff game, has remained consistently winner of the Pac-12, winner of the Big Ten. And what I mentioned earlier about the Pac-12 now essentially, you know, probably headed for evaporation. The Pac-12 is probably going to disappear. A conference that has hosted USC for a century, has hosted UCLA for 95 years. With that conference in all likelihood disappearing, the significance of the Rose Bowl as the granddaddy of them all, as one of the best games and best events in college football history, that significance is going to disappear with the Pac-12. I hate this move. I hate the super conference direction that college sports are heading into. But USC and UCLA, even though maybe the nostalgic college football fans like myself are losers in this deal, they're going to be the biggest losers because they are not up to Big Ten competition. We've got one more block in the show. We're talking Kevin Durant. We're talking NBA free agency. Don't go anywhere. You're locked into Serralo Sports Talk with me, Joe Serralo, right here, right now on Sports Map Radio. All right, back here on Serralo Sports Talk with me, Joe Serralo, as we near the end of this Believe Hour on Sports Map Radio. We've had so much to cover today. Kevin Durant stealing the thunder of NBA free agency, demanding a trade out of Brooklyn. I'll have even more on that to come shortly. USC and UCLA leaving the Pac-12, going to the Big Ten. You just heard how much I hate that move. I want to hear what you think though. Head over to my Instagram at Joe Serralo. I've got a couple polls up there. Make sure you follow me for more behind the scenes stuff, more interaction, more polls. But go to my Instagram story. I want to know what you think. Who's in for a ruder awakening? Texas in the SEC or USC in the Big Ten? You can vote on that. And then I want you to tell me, look, you all know I'm a Knicks fan. I try to call it like I see it, though. I don't absolutely love my Knicks. I don't defend my Knicks. So I want to know who you think the bigger embarrassment in New York basketball is. Is it the Knicks? Is it the Nets? You heard me. I'm saying it's the Nets. But the Knicks have landed one of the biggest free agents on this year's market. And I have to be honest with you, I'm not happy about it. Jalen Brunson. It's reported going to the Knicks on a four-year deal near $110 million. And man, oh man, I just, I don't get this. Paying over 25 mil a year for a guard who just averaged, in a career year, mind you, in year four, his career year was averaging 16 points and five assists per game. Now look, do I have any doubt in my mind? Brunson was playing off Doncic, right? So do I have any doubt in my mind that Brunson with the Knicks as more of a focal point can be, you know, a 20 point seven assists per game guy. No, I think that's realistic. And I I think that's great. I don't think it's worth what 25 plus maybe 27 and a half mil a year. I think that's insane because Jalen Brunson, while he can be a very good point guard in this league, probably top 12 is getting, I don't know, top eight point guard money. I mean, I know NBA contracts and salaries are through the roof and they're ridiculous. And you've got guys like Russ Westbrook, who I've always defended, but just had an awful season making 47 mil. I know it's insane, but something doesn't sit right about paying a guy who has yet to be in the NBA, his team's premier point guard. Something doesn't sit right with paying him nearly $30 million a season when he's coming off 16 points, five assists per game. And again, I can't reiterate this enough. I know that there's something to be said for playing alongside Luka Doncic. You're going to get up less shots. You're going to put up less points. You know, Luka's the triple-double machine. He's the focal point of Dallas. I understand that. But I don't think Jalen Brunson's coming to the Knicks to be our focal point. 
You know, R.J. Barrett just had an incredible year for someone at his early stage in his NBA career. R.J. Barrett is going to bud and blossom and grow into an NBA superstar. He's going to need a superstar payday. But he also needs a guy next to him, a superstar next to him. Not a really good player, but a superstar next to him if the Knicks are going to be able to compete, to get to the playoffs with RJ, and furthermore than just going to the playoffs, to make a deep playoff run with RJ Barrett. And that guy's Donovan Mitchell. And if you're throwing Jalen Brunson nearly $30 million a year, how the hell are you going to afford Donovan Mitchell? You know, obviously Mitchell's not a free agent for about three, four years, so you're going to need a hefty trade package, but the Knicks have assets. What are you holding on to these picks for? You know, the Knicks just had an all-time ugly, disgraceful, bad draft night where they got, you know, a second-round pick out of the deal. They they sent their first-round pick, which I'm kind of glad they got rid of the first-round pick, the kid out of France. I, I just, I thought that that was a reach and a half when you had guys like Jalen Duran and Ty Ty Washington, who I thought was very underdrafted on the board. The Knicks wasted their first round pick, got a conditional first rounder next year, or or rather a package of conditional first rounders. I mean, if you look at the Knicks on paper, maybe it looks great if you take a glance at what the Knicks have draft capital wise next year. They've got three first round picks, right? Detroit, Denver, and I believe the third one is Oklahoma City, but they're all conditional, right? They're all lottery protected. So the Knicks, who right now at a glance appear to have three first-round picks next year, might only walk away with one, maybe two. But I'm thinking right now, next year, the Knicks only actually get one of those three first-round picks. So you know what? Take that you know, falsely good-looking draft capital and bundle it and go get Donovan freaking Mitchell, right? Jalen Brunson is not the guy who is going to take this Knicks team. And look, we saw two years ago, they're capable of being a four seed in the East. Jalen Brunson's not taking them to the promised land, folks. All right, RJ Barrett can. Jules Randle, if he plays like he did two years ago, can be your third option in a big three. But you need another superstar. Randle and Brunson are really good supporting cast members. Really good supporting cast members. But the Knicks need a superstar. While RJ Barrett is becoming one, they need a proven one. They need Donovan Mitchell. It's that simple. I know it seems like a pipe dream to some. I know that there have been rumors for the better part of one, maybe even two years by now, because Mitchell's dad, of course, works for the Mets. He's got that New York connection. I mean, he's already in the offseason. It's been a short offseason. Mitchell's been at Citi Field three, four times already. He's a New Yorker. He needs to play in New York. He doesn't need to play in Utah, right? Under the bright lights of Salt Lake City. I mean, give me a break. Donovan Mitchell belongs at the Mecca. He belongs in Madison Square Garden alongside R.J. Barrett, combining for 60, 70 points any given night. Then the Knicks are contenders. Then the Knicks can talk about overtaking Miami, Philly, Milwaukee. Jalen Brunson doesn't bring him there. I mean, maybe they're better than Brooklyn now that Kevin Durant wants out, but Jalen Brunson to the Knicks, at that price, I just can't get behind it because... And it's not like, you know, it's not my money, right? So I'm not trying to be one of those old fans who is like, oh, he's not worth that money. It's not a matter of him being worth the money. Good for Jalen Brunson. I personally like him a lot. And I know I don't sound like it. I like Jalen Brunson a lot. Loved him at Villanova. Liked him a lot with Dallas and his role. But it's like for the role that he can provide, it's not worth the money in the way that it handicaps the Knicks moving forward. 
Because now, the last thing I want to hear after the Knicks just moved heaven and earth and traded Kemba Walker and Alec Burks and Nerlens Noel to get Jalen Brunson, the last thing I want to hear now from a team that has the draft capital and the young pieces to move to go get Donovan Mitchell, I don't want to hear that they can't afford him. That's, that's the worst thing I could hear right now. Look, I love the young guys that the Knicks have, right? I, I really love, as a fan, I love Emmanuel Quickly. I love Obi Toppin. I don't want to move on from those guys. I want to see those guys become homegrown stars and take the Knicks to the promised land. They're not going to. And so when you have the draft capital that the Knicks have and you have the young talented pieces that the Knicks have, you got to put together a package. Hopefully you don't have to get rid of both quickly and Toppin, but with the draft picks, with the young guys, you got to put some sort of combo together and go get Donovan Mitchell. Otherwise the Knicks peak is what we saw last season, the four seed in the East and a quick five game out in the first round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. That is their peak if they don't go get another superstar. And I don't want to see, as much as I talk about how much I love quickly and topping the young guys on this Knicks team, I don't want to see RJ Barrett's future Hall of Fame career go to waste in New York like so many other really good careers have. Maybe not Hall of Famers, but really good ball players have seen their time wasted in New York, and I don't want the same to be said for R.J. Barrett at the end of the day. The kid, I know he's Canadian, but he's got New York ties. His parents met at St. John's in Queens. His mom is from Brooklyn. He was meant to be a Nick. He's going to be a superstar in year three. He put up numbers that only guys like LeBron and Kobe have put up in year three in the NBA. R.J. Barrett is a rising star. The Knicks need a proven star with him. And I don't want Jalen Brunson's salary to prevent them from going out and getting that proven star that can finally make the Knicks relevant in the NBA again. Guys, this is a team that in the last 20 years, in my entire time watching the NBA, has won one playoff series. It's painful. You've got the money, James Dolan. Now show us a little bit of the desire to go out and assemble a damn winning team. But Jalen Brunson's simply not going to get you there. He, he may help you get to the playoffs. The Knicks may have a playoff team on their hands next year. That's it. A playoff team. First round exit. Maybe a, an exit in that 7-10 to 10 pre-playoff tournament right now. You need a superstar. You need Donovan Mitchell. I just hope that this Brunson deal doesn't prevent them from being able to go out and afford Donovan Mitchell. But Kevin Durant wants out of Brooklyn. The Knicks are now, I mean, Kyrie, is, Kyrie or not, I think the Knicks are the better team in New York. I think... As crazy as this sounds, they're the more functional team in New York. And like I said earlier, I think Kevin Durant, should he go to Phoenix? Well, there's your NBA champs next year. I mean, look, the NBA and the last two years have been great because the NBA has always been, at least in my lifetime, so damn predictable. And it's why I drifted away for a period of time from it. And now I'm back in because the last two years, that predictability has gone out the window, right? You had Phoenix this year, far and away the best team in the NBA. They get bounced by Dallas. A year ago, Milwaukee and Phoenix met in the finals when no one would have predicted that one. So the predictability of the NBA has gone away. If Kevin Durant gets traded to Phoenix, man, oh man, that predictability is right back. But I wouldn't be complaining because more than Kevin Durant getting a ring, who frankly, I don't want to see Kevin Durant win another ring. My love for Chris Paul and my want, my desire to see Chris Paul get a ring 
outweighs that though so Kevin Durant goes to Phoenix Chris Paul's getting his ring I'm telling you this right now it's I mean it's not even a done deal it's pure speculation but man if it happens the Phoenix Suns no one's stopping them Golden State ain't stopping them LeBron Russ and AD in Los Angeles are not stopping Phoenix with Chris Paul Kevin Durant and Devin Booker I mean you know the Suns came out a day or two ago and said that DeAndre Ayton's replaceable well yeah if you get Kevin Durant you could stick anyone at center you could stick JaVale McGee as your starting center. Dwight Howard in 2023 as your starting center. If you go get Kevin Durant, yeah, Aiton is replaceable. That big three of Paul, Booker, Durant, like I said earlier, it's going to be the best big three if it happens that we've seen in the NBA since LeBron, Wade, and Bosh. Maybe even better. Not better than LeBron and Wade, but when you weigh all three pieces, Durant, Booker, and CP3 versus LeBron, Wade, and Bosh, I mean, Bosch is probably ranking sixth out of that group. So you can argue, maybe best big three of all time, if it happens. Definitely best big three since the Miami Heat assembled theirs and went to four straight NBA finals. Hey, before we head over to my final word on this episode of Sorallo Sports Talk, there's been some drama regarding guys maybe not loving their current team, their current situation, not just in the NBA but over in the MLB. Freddie Freeman. Last weekend, the Dodgers went to Atlanta to play the Braves, a rematch of last year's NLCS, but Freeman, for the first time in his career, was in the visiting dugout in Atlanta. And days after that series concluded, Freddie Freeman fired his agent because reportedly, the Atlanta Braves made one final counteroffer to Freddie Freeman's agent to his camp after the Dodgers made him an offer, and his agent's never told him about it look you saw everything that happened last weekend from freddie freeman receiving his world series ring and giving a speech pregame uh friday night between the dodgers and braves that never happens they do video tributes they give rings they never give the player a microphone when he's playing for the other team you saw that you saw the emotion in his eyes you saw that jarring picture of freddie freeman in the dugout sitting alone all of his teammates were up against the fence and he was just sitting there alone it was an emotional weird wild weekend for freddie freeman firing his agent to me is the icing on the cake freddie freeman did not want to be an la dodger to me it's clear as day remember he signed with the dodgers after the braves traded for matt olsen so that means that freddie freeman read between the lines here folks his agent told the braves to kick rocks they acted accordingly and then he took what was the next best offer on the table Guys like Freddie Freeman, it's not about the money. He was a homegrown brave. He was meant to be a brave forever. And this situation is just really unfortunate. He does not look comfortable. He does not look like he's having fun in Los Angeles. Going to be interesting to see how that dynamic goes moving forward. When we come back, my final word, don't go anywhere. Stick with me, Joe Serralo on Serralo Sports Talk. You're locked into the Believe Hour on Sports Map Radio. All right, it's time for my final word here on this episode of Serralo Sports Talk this Thursday, June 30th. Hey, happy July, everyone. Hope you all have a great long weekend coming up. Enjoy the holiday. Enjoy your well-deserved time off from work. I know I'm going to. What a wacky day that this has been in sports. And, you know, it's weird. I never use the word wacky. I think I've used it four or five times this episode because, I mean, this has just been an unprecedented wild day you know I I start my show prep always for this show the night before so last night I'm sitting here and and I'm running through topics and I'm like all right well we've got NBA free agency you know Brunson's going to the Knicks that's probably my lead we've got the Freddie Freeman drama 
and, and I'm thinking about other fillers because, you know, this isn't the best free agency class in, you know, in recent memory in the NBA. It's one of the weaker ones, truthfully. And then I wake up and USC and UCLA are leaving the Pac-12. Bingo, right there. That's my lead. And then Kevin Durant wants a trade out of Brooklyn. This has truly been, and I promise it's the last time I'll say it, a wacky day in the world of sports. I couldn't have asked for a better, a better day, though, to share my hour of airtime with you all this week. I want to leave you with a best bet for my final word because I've had a hell of a month of June. Going into yesterday, 15-9, and nine, up 7.5 units on my MLB best bets in the month of June. So I'll give you one, of course, if you want. Daily bets from me, head over to my socials at Joe Serralo on Instagram, at the Joe Serralo on Twitter and TikTok. They're up daily there. But I'll give you one right here before you go follow me on there to wrap up this show. Logan Gilbert, the starting pitcher for the Seattle Mariners tonight, going up against the Oakland A's, taking him to record the win plus 135 odds. He's won four of his last six starts, he's won three of his last four starts. He's four and one in those previous six starts against Oakland in his career. The Mariners are four and oh in games that he starts. The Mariners are 19 and six against Oakland going back to the start of the 2021 season. Logan Gilbert to get the win plus 135 odds tonight against the Oakland A's. Go make some money. Thank me later and make sure you go follow me on socials for daily best bets from Joey C. And just like that, this episode of Serralo Sports Talk is up. It's over. It's out of here. Thank you all for spending the hour with me on this crazy wild Thursday as we wrap up the month of June in the world of sports. Guys, I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.